0: Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I am so happy that you are here today joining me here over the internet as together we have some church online. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. No virus, no anything, Will stop us from being able to meet together because we have more ways than just one that allow us to come together. And it is a joy. It really is that we can gather even on the internet. Praise God. Now, let's take our Bibles and go to 2 Chronicles chapter 8, and we want to look at one verse, which is verse 16. And we're going to bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. And this is our verse today. It says that all the work of Solomon was well ordered from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished. So the house of the Lord was completed. Now, we are familiar with the great wisdom Of Solomon, and along with that wisdom, we see one of its qualities, one of its characteristics, in that things are done in a way where there is great order. Praise the Lord. And I I like that. Anytime you see wisdom, you're going to see order. And oftentimes, when things begin to go into a place of chaos, or disorder, you know that the wisdom of God is beginning to leave the situation. So, all the work of Solomon was well-ordered from the day of the foundation, that would be the beginning, okay, the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished. So, the building of the foundation and then everything that went up uh, be- beyond that, layer upon layer, was all done in a well-ordered way, Praise God. Now, we have a special project right now that we are working on. It's really two projects in one. It is a refreshing of our Internet Studios, where you see me standing at right now, and also our smaller set, which is used for the midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. We want to refresh both of them in a well-ordered way. The budget goal for this project is is $12,000, and I believe that as you sow into it, that anointing of Solomon wisdom that encompasses things being done in a well-ordered way will just really touch your life, praise God. You'll have such structure and divine order in your life that things go smoothly, even challenging things. And I'm praying for you that in this time right now where So much of the country and so much of the world is shut down that nevertheless, your time be fruitful and it be very well ordered. You know, we had to completely call off all of our ministry trips that we had set up in other parts of the world, particularly in Europe. And right now, uh, Americans are still not allowed to go to Europe. But my friends, we just rescheduled for a different time. And I believe that the latter time will be even better than perhaps what could have been during this set time. We would actually would have been in Europe right now, but it's okay because the Lord is working and he wants everything well ordered in your life. And I believe that as you partner with this project, you will touch that anointing anointing of everything being well ordered. You know, I couldn't help but notice over the last particular month, that even though there is a downtime where maybe you can't go do some of the things that normally you could do, those who are wise are taking advantage of this. And I really want you to listen to what I'm sharing because even if you have been laid off or even if you are being uh, asked to work from home, you know, this is a golden opportunity for you. When I look at all of the restaurants that had to close, well, the good restaurants, I can't help but notice what they're doing. Almost every single one is getting a remodel from the top to the bottom. I look at uh, the local McDonald's. I look at the local Wendy's, the, the Bojangles Chicken Restaurant. I look at all these places. And these franchises, these corporations are smart. They realize this is a great opportunity to do some of the needed repair work or remodeling work that needed to be done anyhow. And so they are taking advantage of this time, this season that we're in. And I'm seeing all of these restaurants, they're just getting brand new signage, uh, brand new interiors, new furniture, new equipment, many things that needed to be upgraded and updated. They're getting it done. And you know what? We need to do the same thing here at the ministry. This mural behind me has been here now for uh, since 2012, and it's time for a new one. Praise God. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. And the same thing with the other midweek study. We need to, we need to do some new technology in there. And our, I already have the vision of what it is that we need to do. We just need to be able to get uh, some of the gear. Praise God. And there's some neat things we can do in here, too. Now, I've also talked with local contractors uh, here in the area. You know what they all tell me? They're all swamped with business. Every single subcontractor, whether it's an electrician or a plumber or a tile person, they're, they're backed up for months and months and months. Why? People are like, well, Hey, if I'm laid off for work and there's nothing to do, I'm not going to just sit around and download movies all day. I'm going to work and get something accomplished. You know what many of them end up doing? They're thinking, I'm going to remodel my house. And, you know, you can you can go to YouTube or, uh, you know, Vimeo or whatever and just watch videos. It'll show you how to repair your plumbing or, you know, uh, replace the kitchen sink or whatever you want to do. But, my friends, this is an opportunity for you to refresh Areas of your life that need to be refreshed as well. I believe as you sow into this, you'll touch that refreshing anointing, and you'll also touch that anointing where things are well done in good order. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if we were to expedite this project, we could really get it done quickly. If I just had ten people that would sow $1,000 one thousand dollar seed we would be there with the budget that's needed to complete this project. So the overall budget is 12k, but uh, we're at a point now where just ten people gave a thousand each. we would be there. praise God and I believe we can do some really creative things. praise God. we're not going to try to make this like the television studio set. Many of you that have seen pure gold on TV, you know that's a very elaborate um, television set. And it, it took about four months to for that to be created and so forth. But this is different. This is internet. But even still, it is a platform where the gospel is preached from. And so we need to update it. So thank you for sowing into this and helping us to refresh this. Because this is what everybody's doing who's smart right now. You're refreshing things. You're repairing things. You're fixing things up. Woo! Praise God. And we're doing that in many different facets with the ministry, with many areas of technology and things like that. So we've got to touch this area as well. So thank you for standing with us as you bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. If you have a special seed for the Internet Studios, just mark that so that we know that's designated for the refreshing project. And there is a header on the website that's called Projects. And you can go there and you'll see the project for the refreshing of the two internet studios, praise the Lord. So you can give specifically into that project. Praise God. Thank you so much for that. And thank you also for honoring the Lord with the tithe as well, because it is the bringing in the, of the tithe, 10% of all of your earned income that allows us to just literally preach the gospel all around the world. Hallelujah. And to increase, to increase the work that God has called us to do. Now, heavenly father, I pray for all of your people that are partnering with, with this ministry, that are bringing the tithe in and are even sowing special seed, those that would sow special seed. Father, bless them, and we thank you for the anointing, the wisdom, that Solomon-type wisdom resting on them or everything they do that they would touch for a refresh or remodel, that everything would be done so smoothly that it would be done in a way where it's well-ordered, and it makes sense, and it comes out as a finished product that brings you glory. Father, we thank you. Let that anointing touch them in Jesus' name. It's going to be a beautiful harvest. Shout and say, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, if you're mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, and the zip code is 28654. I've had so many numbers going through my head this week that I almost had to pause there just for a moment to uh, recall the P.O. Box. But it's good old P.O. Box 717. Again, Moravian Falls, 28654. And the state is North Carolina. Now, those of you that prefer to bring your tithe and your offering in online, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. And there is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings Sow and Reap. And you can go there right now and bring them into the storehouse of God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for your generous and faithful support. Now, let's take our Bibles today and go over to the book of Philippians, and we're going to talk about something fascinating that has to do with the energy of God. Woo! Praise the Lord. And the most remarkable thing is that the energy of God can actually work and flow in you. The energy of God, if it were given a color, would be the color orange. And I have had experiences in heaven. One of the, uh, actually the first time that I was taken to heaven, into the third heaven, when I was caught up, just like the Apostle Paul was, I saw many of the colors in heaven, but one of the primary colors that I saw—and it doesn't mean it's primary all the time—but it was primary on the day that I was there—was the color orange. And uh, it were there were even colors moving like ribbons that were going through the, the the air, and they would the colors would dance with you, they would swirl around you and play with you. They would the color could even make you happy. And the color of orange represents energy. Praise the Lord. In other words, if you take an orange like the fruit, and you peel it, you eat the orange, but the orange peel oftentimes is taken, and you know, they'll uh, they'll scrape some of it, the zest of it, and they'll put it in your tea, or it can be used for certain types of flavoring, but that orange peel denotes a zest for life. So if you need a pep in your step, if you need a boost today, I want you to listen carefully to today's message because it's going to help release the energy that you need to accomplish what God has called you to do. That beautiful thing that God has called you to do and to fulfill. You're going to need more than your own strength. You're going to need God's energy working in you. And that's what we're talking about today. We're in the book of Philippians. We're going to start in chapter 2. We're going to pretty much stay today in chapter 2. We'll look at a few other things. We're going to kind of camp here today, and I want us to go to verse 3, and let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your Word, we ask that your Word would jump into us. Woo! And do the mighty work that it has the power to do. Let it be a living word, we ask, O God, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between even spirit and soul. Thank you. Let the motives and the the intents of our heart be laid bare by the working of the sword of the Spirit as we begin to let it operate now in Jesus' name. We pray and we all agree and say, Amen. Now, verse 3, it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That's, that's big. Let nothing be done if it's something that you're doing that you're only doing it because of selfish ambition. <laughs> and it is good to have ambition, but it's not good to have selfish ambition because even if you do it and get it done, It's going to work against you because it was not done from pure motives, and God is not obligated to honor something that's done in disobedience. Mm -mm. What is selfish ambition? It is the accomplishment of an achievement or a special distinction that you allow to glorify yourself instead of allowing it to glorify God. Mm. We, we have to examine these types of things. Again, the Apostle Paul said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. It's very, very important. Now, any of you that have studied church history, particularly the, the era of the, uh, what was known as the Great Healing Revival, That happened in the 1950s. Now, there had been healing revivals before. It just had been a long time since America had had one. And it was uh, quite powerful. It was mainly in the 1950s. It carried over into the 60s, but it began to fade out quickly uh, once it hit into the 60s. But you had such people as A.A. Allen. You had Dr. Oral Roberts, you had Jack Coe, and you had many other famous people, William Branham and so forth. But some of these ministers, bless their hearts, they had tremendous anointing, uh, out of this world gifting, but some of them had some tremendous egos. <laughs> they, had, they, had, uh, they had some huge egos, and uh, they, were, they were greatly uh, surrounded by yes men, uh, and, and that can be very, very dangerous. So I'll give you an example. Oral Roberts had the largest tent, not only in the church, not only in America. He had the largest tent in the world. There was not even a sinner that had a bigger tent than Oral Roberts. Well, you know, Jack Cole heard about that, and he wanted to have the biggest tent. See, some of these guys were real, you um, uh, they're, they're, it's just it's really selfish ambition they were very ambitious in a very selfish way so while Dr. Oral Roberts was holding one of his meetings at the tent Jack Coe sent some of his men out there to measure the size of Oral Roberts tent so that they could build a tent that was larger than his, and they did they uh Jack Coe had a tent built that was a little bit big a little bit bigger, not that much bigger, but technically uh, and by the numbers it was bigger, therefore he could proclaim that he now has the largest tent in the world. now look, I can understand sinful businessmen who say we must have the highest skyscraper. And they build the world's tallest skyscraper. Oh, but that lasts for about a year or two years. And then somebody else comes along, and then they build another one that's bigger than that. And now we have one uh, over there in the Middle East that's the tallest one in the world. Well, it is for now. But there's already plans to top that one. And when somebody eventually builds that one, somebody else will eventually come along and top that one as well. And a lot of that is ego-driven. It's, uh, it's pride. It's selfish ambition. It's wanting to establish a name for yourself. And if you do that, you've made a wrong step. Mm-mm. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. It doesn't mean that you can't be ambitious. It doesn't mean that you can't do great exploits. But if you're doing it just to get your name on the front of the paper, If you're doing it just to get your face before the television news cameras, if you're doing it for selfish ambition, then all of that will be burned up on the day in which God gives rewards and he will not be able to reward anything that is done contrary to his word. Mm -mm. Uh, The book, Pigs in the Parlor, it's a good book. I'm trying to remember the man's name that wrote it. Uh, I think it was uh, Harold something, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking uh, HH was his initials or something like that. Nevertheless, uh, the book pigs in the parlor was written by a man that before he went into ministry, he had an esteemed reputation uh, in uh, as a law man. And he had an, an experience where he had to stand before the Lord, and the Lord said, everything that you've done, all of your accolades and all of your rewards, it all glorified you. And every time, (laughs) uh, I'm thinking Howard Pittman was his name. Okay. So every time he would try to defend himself before the Lord, Uh, through this supernatural experience, the Lord said, no, 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 all of that stuff that you did glorified you and you never gave me any credit for it. You never, you never uh, mentioned my name. You took all the glory for yourself and it was all because of selfish ambition. So by the time the conversation was over, he was completely disarmed and said, Lord, I have, I have no rewards. And the Lord was like, yeah, you're right. You don't because it was all for you. So he got things right and uh, ended up receiving revelation from the Lord, wrote the book, Pigs in the Parlor. And the book blessed many people and still blesses many people today because now you can just download it online for free and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that if you don't get this worked out, you could be uh, on a wrong traje- uh, trajectory and you're consumed with it and you have no idea that it's all in vain. Wow. This, these things are very important. Let nothing be done. Through selfish ambition. By the way, if you're going to accomplish it and God's not in it, that means you are going to use all of your energies, all of your strength, and uh, that, that's not good. That's not good. You need God's energy, God's strength. That way you can, uh, you can put forth the effort. But in a sense, it's the Lord working through you, and you'll get a whole lot more done. You know, these things that are done out of selfish ambition, they don't last. I think about one minister that uh, had, had a world-renowned ministry. I won't say his name, but really wanted to have a, uh, a sports coliseum. So they built the sports coliseum. Now they've got all the men's and women's sports and stuff like that. And, uh, and then the, you know, the minister that raised up the sporting, uh, look, I, I, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'll tell you this. When the time comes for me to start a school of ministry, there ain't going to be no basketball team. There's not going to be no volleyball team. If you want to play basketball and volleyball or something like that, go somewhere else. I'm here to raise up men and women of God. I'm not here to show you how to dribble a ball. That, that's fine if you want to go do that. But wh- what in the world does that have to do with, you know, you know? I, I mean, really? You're going to pray for a cancer patient, and you say, well, hey, I, I can make free throws really well. No, they, they have no interest in stuff like that. They don't want to see how high you can jump. They they don't want to see your biceps. They want to see something from God in you. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Well, the man of God wanted to raise up a Colosseum, and he did. And he he wanted to have uh, uh, a—and then that wasn't enough. Then he wanted to have the basketball team— Go division one because he wants them to win the NCAA title and then that will but that will bring a lot of attention and then and then the sinners will see yes that you, you know you got to watch out for all this stuff some of these people they just get consumed with always wanting bigger bigger best you know oh you've got that well I've got to get something bigger than faster than that and then something eventually tops that now you got to go top that and it's a never-ending chase Woo! so today. That same Colosseum, the man of God that raised, you know, the funds for all that and had the vision for that. He's, you know, he's died and gone on to heaven. And today, in order to meet budgetary expenses, that Colosseum is used to host the most vile and filthy concerts by rock bands and pop bands with every type of profane word and, uh, and you know, lewd Lou dancing that you could imagine there, there in the Colosseum that had to be built. Well, now, now the devil can have a heyday in it whenever his group shows up. But you know what? you got to watch out for things like this. Hallelujah. And, and, and so, don't, don't surround yourself. If you're a leader, don't surround yourself with yes people. Oh, yes, that's a good idea. Yes. Well, look, somebody tell me the truth and somebody speak from your heart. Do you think this is a good idea? Well, uh, you you need people like that. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Let nothing, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Ooh, they both go very close together. Now, what is conceit? Conceit is an excessive opinion of your own ability or importance. It's really an overinflation. It's an exaggeration. It's It's a false reality. It's an excessive opinion of your own ability or your own importance. Mm -mm. Don't do anything in conceit. Wow. These are things that we have to filter through as we are focused on what God has called us to do, or as new things merge in, new ideas, new potentials. All of this has to be filtered through the work of the power of the cross in your life. Does this bring God glory? Is God in this? Or is this just me and myself wanting to somehow gratify this and, you know, uh, roll it over on the Lord somehow too at the same time? You know, we can be real good at that. Well, the Lord told me to do it. <laughs> well, that, that's wonderful. So, uh, you know, go, go ahead, knock yourself out. But you know what, if that's that's not God, that's you, that's going to cost a lot of energy. And here's the thing, if that's not of the Lord, and you're going to do it anyhow, it means that the thing that, that is of Him, you're not doing that. So not only are you not doing that, you're going further away by going in this other direction. We have to examine these things. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but In lowliness of mind. Now, some translations say in humility, in humility. And I think that when we walk in humility, and we walk in the love of the Lord, we're not jealous of others. Pastor Stephen, have you heard about what brother so-and-so is doing? Well, no, I haven't, but more power to him. Praise the Lord, you know, just you stay focused on the Lord and you do your thing. You do what God has called you to do and you endeavor to be the best at it. Mm -hmm. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. I like how uh, Kenneth Copeland Prophet Copeland was, uh, he was out and about somewhere and saw a jet that was a great jet. And, you know, he already had his aircraft situation taken care of. And he calls up Jesse Duplantis. This was decades back. And he said, Jesse, I found your jet. And uh, you better come get it quick! I want to get it. It's such a good deal. <laughs> you know, it's a real low uh, uh, total time on it, and uh, engines have very low time. It's great condition, uh, great pedigree, and uh, it was just the the perfect jet for somebody moving into the jet category. Uh, and so he called them and said, "Hey, this this is this would be perfect for you." Well, it's great when others watch out for you. It's great when others think, hey, that would be really a good setup for so-and-so. And And it's good to have people that uh, they care about you. Praise the Lord. You know, I'll never forget it. One time there was a minister. Um, Maybe I should be a little more direct. He was a wannabe minister. Oh, he was highly successful in the corporate field, and he came down here from Washington, D.C. Oh, a lot of experience in government. A lot of experience in the corporate arena and had a resume uh, that was very, very impressive. But he was going to come down here and he was going to start a ministry. A ministry. He was going to be a man of God. I, I personally didn't even think he was called into the ministry, but he was a nice fellow. And he asked me to come to a meeting where he was going to present some, minist- some ministry ideas he had of launching his own ministry. I thought, well, I'll, I'll go and, you know, he's been a nice person and I'll, I'll go to the meeting. He wants me to go. Small meeting, just him and a few others. Well, I get there and also at the meeting is one of my Baptist pastor friends. He has a nice church, about 500 people. He'd been invited to come. He's there too. He and I knew each other. So we go to this meeting. And uh, so this man with his vision starts to uh, uh, unveil his vision of all that he's going to do. And uh, you you would have thought he was ready to take over Billy Graham's ministry. You you would have thought he was ready to take over everybody's ministry. He had so many lofty goals. He's going to do this. He's going to do that, that, Me and the Baptist pastor kind of looked at each other like, uh, uh, kind of like smile, like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It doesn't work like that. And then, and then because, you know, he's coming from the corporate world. And then he said, now, he said, he said, now what we have to discuss is who is my competition? (laughs) and and when he said that me and the Baptist minister and all the others we all kind of looked at each other like hey we're not in competition we're all here to support each other be a blessing to each other now we all have our own assignments we all have our own callings we have to stay focused on that but hey if if there's something we could do to be a blessing over here over there we're not we're not trying to hinder anybody. We're trying to help each other. We're trying to push each other along. And he said, I need to know who is my competition. And see, in the corporate world, if you're presenting, you know, your, your business plan, you need to know the competition and stuff like that. And, and so he looked at all the, you know, the various ministries around, and I, I just said, I said, uh, I said, brother, I said, in, in ministry, it doesn't work like this. I said, in the business world, you might want to be aware of who your competitors are. But even in the business world, what would be called competition is actually good. Because when you have competition, that, that's going to pass on uh, lower costs to the consumer and also a better uh, in product to the consumer but I said ministry doesn't work like that if you look at ministers as being your competition like you're out to get them before they get you or get all the money before they raise all the money or so. Uh, th- this is this is like uh, uh, you know you need to reevaluate all these types of things but but my friends that area of conceit Oh, he, he had greatly esteemed himself far beyond really the position that he was in that area of selfish ambition. Oh, he was going to do so much, but that area also lacking of humility and lowliness of mind. Instead of asking for insight, wisdom, or opinions, he already knew everything. And sadly, sadly, I found out a little while back he, he died. He didn't live much longer after that. Uh, I actually think it's very dangerous for anybody who is not called into the ministry. Now, when I say ministry, I'm, I'm talking full-time ministry of either apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's, that's a ministry office. Only God can set a man or a woman in a ministry office. And if you intrude into it on your own, it's actually very dangerous. Back in the Old Testament, you had the office of the priest, But you just couldn't make yourself a priest. You had to be a descendant down through the lineage of Aaron. You had to come down the priestly line, and uh, you just couldn't, like, you know, be from the tribe of uh, Simeon or from the tribe of uh, Reuben and say, oh, I want to be a priest. No, you can't. You're not allowed to. And so if you intruded into that office, uh, there are examples in the Old Testament, of those that died. They died by endeavoring to do that. So I really believe that's what happened to him. Nice guy, good man, but he got off track. I don't know why. Uh, Every time I've seen a businessman look at ministry, fascinated by it, but but thinking, I can do that, without realizing that the ministers are doing it by the grace of that God has given to them. Every every businessman that I've ever seen step over, and they're going to do it too. They have fallen. They have fallen so hard. I've never met one yet that didn't lose completely his business and ended up either in bankruptcy or financial ruin. Mmm. Mm, thank you, Jesus. So you have to stay in your lane in life. You have to do what God has called you to do, whatever that is. And stay out of these dangerous areas of selfish ambition and conceit because it will will delude you into a deception. And you're off running in hot pursuit. God told me to do this. No, that's you doing your own thing. Mm -mm. And it will drain you. It will drain you of energy. We need to walk in the safeguards of lowliness of mind, humility of mind, and esteem others better than uh, ourselves. Praise the Lord. That just means be humble. Love others. Praise God. doesn't mean act like you're a doormat or act like you don't know anything. It just means uh, be sweet to people, love people, be kind to everybody. Praise the Lord. And very importantly, the thrust of what Paul is saying here is follow your own path. Follow your own destiny and stay on track. Filter through what God wants you to do and what is just soulish, what you just need to let go of. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's dig deeper into this. Because when you get on track, you begin to contact a supernatural energy that's beyond anything that you could ever create. It comes from God. Philippians chapter 2, same, same book, same chapter. Let's drop down to verse 12. Therefore, now, when you see that word, therefore, although we're dropping down about, you know, nine or ten verses, you have to understand it's tying together. The word therefore is tying together with a sum total of everything that has been placed before it of the context or the paragraph before it. And some of that included this area of really staying pure with your motives and staying in your lane. And doing what God has called you to do. Now we move into verse 12. Therefore, my beloved. So again, he's continuing to speak to the Christians in Philippi. This is written to believers. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I had a, excuse me, a minister, very liberal, really. (laughs) Oh, hearing him preach was like, it's like trying to shave with a banana peel. I mean, it's like, it's so dull. Uh, All of his messages, uh, uh, I never heard one that had any kind of a bite to it ever. And one day he asked me, he said, Stephen, he said, what do you think? About this verse in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I, I shared just briefly what I thought about it, but it troubled him. Let me tell you why. Because he was so lethargic with his calling. He just wanted to cruise, he just wanted to be like everything just to be kind of like a. I don't know. Almost like hand it to him, and he had his idea or his vision of what ministry should be, and it was it was a long way away from what I would call an apostolic ministry or even a prophetic ministry. Even when I look back, I see that he was called to the ministry office of a teacher, but his problem was he wasn't spending enough time in the Word to present messages that would feed his audience. And so he was troubled by this verse where it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But but Paul is certainly not just talking to ministers. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the body of Christ. He's talking to you as well that we need to work out. Now, the the phrase work it out, work it out, it means to bring into fruition or Bring it into a completed state of what the original intent was meant for that. Whoo. Hallelujah. It's going to be good. God has something beautiful concerning you and the completed project of your life and the completed assignments that are destined for you to fulfill. Praise God. So he wants you to bring it to fruition. He wants you to work it out. Now this when it says. Uh, concerning work out your own salvation? Well, there's two parts here. One is the element of your original born-again experience. You're saved. You have been regenerated on the inside, and you belong to God. Hallelujah. You're ready for heaven because you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. But my friends, although you're born again, And although you are saved, and it is the finished work in the sense that when Jesus said, it is finished, he had fully paid that penalty. And his redemption is complete when you put your faith and trust in him. But as you've noticed, you still have your life in which you live, and God loves you. He loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay in that state in which you were originally saved. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. He wants you to mature. He wants you to overcome things. Even as the Apostle Paul spoke of in the book of Hebrews about certain besetting sins He wants you to be at a place where you arrive at maturity, where those things don't overthrow your life anymore. We see that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Any type of besetting sin that would ensnare you, that would entangle you, that would trip you up. The Lord doesn't want you to just tolerate that. The Lord wants you to overcome, to overcome those things so that you move into the place of being a mature believer. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, work that out. Work that out. Walk with the Lord. Praise God. Work that out. Now, there's other elements of working out the path of direction that God has for you to take. And that is still probably one of the greatest questions that any believer would ask, which is this. What is God's plan for my life? Well, the number one plan would be now that you belong to him would be for you to become conformed into the image of Jesus in character. In other words, if a besetting sin such as anger was something that previously would just trip you up over and over and you lose control and you're, you you know, you're, you, you act like a crazy person, then that is something that you need to work out your own salvation, work it out with fear and trembling where this thing no longer trips you up and gets the upper hand on your life. And so you need to find out what's going on with that and overcome it and get into the word, get strengthened, walk with the Lord, establish a prayer life, praise God so that you're strong, so that you're strong. Amen. So that's an element of it. The other element concerns direction. What should I do? Where should I live? Where should I work at? Uh, You know, should I own a house or should I uh, rent an apartment or whatever it might be? And on and on it goes, life with this many, many questions. Well, God has direction. Now, I get many emails. Sometimes people ask me questions such as things, uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm thinking about moving. Should I move? And for those that I know, partners and, and church members that I know that that have been with the ministry for a while, I'll start to get a sense of God's plan for their life. Sometimes when it's a total stranger, uh, it can be a little more, I, I could get some insight from the Lord, but I have to wait on the Lord and see what the Lord would say. But here's the thing. Prophets are not put in, in the church to lead or guide the church. Prophets are put there to Give confirming witness to what the Holy Spirit would lead that person to do. Praise the Lord. So sometimes people ask me, Pastor Stephen, uh, should I move to Australia? Pastor Stephen, should I move to Israel? Should I move to Brazil? Uh, and really, in some in some situations, the the answer is I have no idea. No idea. I don't know. You're going to have to work that out in your own life. That is your life. You have to work that out. Uh, that's part of your salvation, part of the plan that God has for you, and you have to work it out with fear and trembling. Why fear and trembling? Well, you don't want to end up in the wrong country. <laughs> you don't want to make a major mistake. You, you don't want to marry the wrong person. Work out your salvation, work out God's plan, His destiny, His, His path that He has for your life, and work it out with fear and trembling. Thank you, Jesus. Some things you can correct if you make a wrong turn. Others, uh, maybe you can correct it, but it's going to leave some collateral damage. So you want to work it out with fear and trembling, because it is very, very important. Now, concerning this, let me just give one scripture for this, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, "For as many as are led by, and doesn't say prophets." Some people think prophets are there to lead you. Well, if they did have the divine authority to lead you, then that would mean that they could lead you not just once, but twice and now three times. And before you know it, you would want them leading you all the time, even to the point where you'd call them prophet. Where am I supposed to eat lunch at today? Uh, Thus says the Lord today. You are supposed to go to Burger King. Good. Thank you, man of God. Phone rings again. Prophet. Yes, where am I supposed to have dinner at? Uh, Thus says the Lord, you've had too much, too many burgers. The Lord says that you need some seafood. Tonight, you're supposed to eat at the seafood restaurant. Which one? Uh, Long John Silvers, thus says the Lord. Goodbye. And on and on it goes. And you know, this thing, that question, that question, and no human, no human has the ability to sustain something like that, which is why anybody that says they can, they always turn into a cult leader. <laughs> I, I know what God's will for your life is all the time. 24 hours a day. I know everything about you. Uh, no, you're a false apostle. You're a cult leader. And, you know, uh, no, we're we're dismissing anything uh, that you would say or do because you're cuckoo. Praise the Lord. So for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. Oh, yes. God has worked through many prophets to give me beautiful words that confirmed what God was already stirring in my spirit. Mm -mm. But I've also had prophets who missed it. Pastor Stephen, thus says the Lord, you're going to move to Texas, and you're going to be given a large ranch-style house with lots of cattle and lots of livestock. Oh, oh, Brother, I don't want no cattle. No, I see many cattle with big horns, long horns. Brother, I don't want no cattle. No, I see the cattle coming. No, no, no. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Well, I thank God for prophets. I would say that 90% of the prophecies I've ever received have been accurate. And the ones that were off, you know what? Uh, Maybe they were just going for it. And they just, you know, and you leave room for grace. You leave room for error or mistakes. And uh, uh, I remember one prophetess, she was uh, pr- a pretty good, pretty accurate, pretty good, really, with the, with the prophetic anointing. She said, I don't know about this, Brother Stephen, but I'm just going to go for it. I'm going I'm to just see what I can do to go into a new dimension, and I'm going to go for it. Well, she went into a new dimension, all right. It was really weird and really goofy, and everything that she said was just like cuckoo. And, um, and of course, none of it ever came to pass either, and I wasn't expecting it to. Praise the Lord. But those things are few and far in between. But even still, even when you get a spectacular word flowing through a prophet that comes from God and it's flowing through a prophet you know what, that doesn't give you an exemption where you think, oh, I don't have to use my faith anymore. I've got the word of the Lord. Well, well, yeah, but now you need faith to fulfill that prophetic word because prophecy is unveiling the will of God, unveiling God's plan for your life, giving you insight into that. And so now that you have clearer insight, well, you're going to have to use your faith. So it's never like you get a faith vacation. You have to stay on task on faith all the time. Can you shout, Yes, while here we certainly celebrate prophecy. Now, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And that is also a part of maturity. You know, when I was young in in the charismatic Pentecostal movement, I, when I was new to it, and uh, you know, I, I uh, and the church I was at was a very prophetic church, and they would bring in uh, many heavyweight prophets. Uh, any, any well-known prophet you've heard of, they would bring them in. And sometimes they bring in a whole group of them. And you know, uh, uh, when they would release the prophets to prophesy, everybody would run, and I would too. And you'd go over here to get, you'd wait in line to get a word from the great prophet. And then you'd run over here to get a, get a word from his son. And then you'd run over here to get get a word from the other visiting prophet and before you know it you could you could gather 10 words 10 prophecies all in a basket and the amazing thing is so often they would all mesh together it it, it is tremendous anointing and gifting but you know what I, I have found over the years that that the word comes when I need it. Oh, I still would enjoy prophecy. I, I, I like that. And I, and I give them too. praise the Lord. But I have found that the strongest, most beautiful uh, words with the greatest clarity, they come when I kind of walk into them. I just uh, maybe show up somewhere and somebody says, you know, Pastor Stephen, I was just praying for you and the Lord was showing me this. And I had no idea you're going to walk in. But this is what the Lord is saying. And I, I just kind of walk into these prophecies sometimes. And it's as the Lord kind of opens it up. Praise God. Mm-mm, and it's all good. Verse 16: the Spirit Himself bears witness with our Spirit that we are children of God. So a prophet doesn't bear witness with your Spirit that you're saved because maybe they might think, well, I, they don't look saved to me. No that's the Holy Spirit that does that job. And so on the most important thing that you need to know in life, which is what the security of your salvation, how do you know through the Holy Spirit bearing witness on the inside of you that yes, you are a child of God. So the number one way of leading is by the Holy Spirit through the inner witness, what you should do, where you should work at, who your spouse should be. If you've got to run to a prophet to get a word on, on, on you know, who your spouse supposed to marry, uh, maybe you're not ready for marriage yet. Praise God. Now, it, I think it is good to get uh, the insight or the blessing of the man of God in your life, praise God, or, or the, the minister of God in your life, but the, the main person, the main person that you want to hear from is not your pastor, or because maybe he's on vacation, he can't, he can't give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but it's God. It's the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit think about this person? (laughs) Holy Spirit, is this the one? Mm -mm. You know, so he'll bear witness on the inside. Yes, no, you know, so it's amazing. Praise the Lord. So that has a lot to do also with discerning God's path for your life, filtering out what is what What is something that the Lord pr- approves? What is something that he does approve it, but the timing is not for now? Oh, these things are very, very important. Now let's go back. let's go back to the book of Philippians chapter two. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse thirteen, For it is God who works in you. So so he's working on the inside of you, both to will, And to do his good pleasure. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why do you like the things that you like? I believe that, although there could be some desires that could be filtered out. I believe when you shake it all out and what's really left of who you are and what you like. I believe it's from God. It's not from the devil that you attracted to certain things that you like certain things I'm talking about things that are good of course it's not it's not from the devil that you like that God put that in you that's from the Lord praise God some of that can pass down from the Lord through your family maybe your father or mother like certain things I told my mom about uh, a certain thing that I, I enjoy she said you know what she said your dad always loved doing that. I thought, isn't that interesting? I didn't even know that was like one of the things kind of like in his own, you know, private time that he enjoyed doing. But my mom said, yep, that was one of his uh, happy things that he enjoyed. So, and it was a good thing that was in my dad. I've got that same bug, so to speak, a good thing. These things come from the Lord. Praise God. They're part of who you are. God put those things in you. Now, this is very important. It is God who works in you both to will. Okay, so that word will there in the Greek can also be translated as desire. Watch that again. God works in you both to desire and to do his good pleasure. Okay, so God works in you to desire certain things that he is in agreement with that he wants you to do or that that are okay for you to do. God works in you to desire. God works in you to desire. If you don't like what you're doing, you're highly likely to never become good at it. Hmm. You can learn anything if you love it. Wow. If you really love it, you can learn it. Now, I don't know calculus. Well, Pastor Stephen, why don't you you learn calculus? Because I don't have a desire for it. Not that you couldn't use it, perhaps in certain areas of your life. Um, Even if I wasn't going to use it, uh, but I loved it, I would still learn it. But because there are certain things in life that they just don't interest me, I have no interest in learning them. But you can learn anything, even if it's complex, even if it's complicated, if you love it. A foreign language. Praise God. I, I'm not good at languages. Uh, if you had a reason to learn that, uh, a desire, you could, you, I, I can guarantee that you could learn it, regardless of what it is. They say that Mandarin uh, Chinese is one of the hardest language for uh, uh, English speaking, uh, English speaking people to learn. But I guarantee you, you can learn Mandarin if you, uh, if God put a desire on the inside of you to learn that praise the Lord and that you could even become completely fluent in it, Mm -mm. but you have to love it. It has to be a desire God works with your desires. That's what I'm saying. These desires can be in you because God put those things on the inside of you. Years back, prophet Kenneth Copeland said that his father told him one day, he said, Kenneth, you know, I think that if I could somehow open up your head, that if I were to open it up, airplanes and heli- uh, airplanes and motorcycles would start coming out of it because that's just all Kenneth Copeland you know uh, uh, had had an interest in a desire for and that was really from the Lord and today he's a he's a minister who of course can fly his own airplane has given many airplanes away and of course also loves motorcycles praise the Lord but that's something from the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And he takes those desires and those loves and uses them as evangelistic tools where he's had the motorcycle rallies and many people, many people have been saved through the motor, uh, motorcycle rallies and many people have also been ministered to through the aviation ministry. Praise the Lord. But these desires are very, very important for it is God who works in you both to desire And to do his good pleasure. Now, God works in you. This is God working on the inside of you. Let's talk about this a little bit. This word of God working in you, God works in you, is drawn from the Greek word that we get our modern-day English word of energy from. God's energy. Working on the inside of you with your desires to fulfill the good pleasure of God. Mm-mm. God's energy working on the inside of you to empower you to work to fulfill his good pleasure. What would be the good pleasure of God that God would energize you to do? Woo! And you love it. You love it. Some of you, you've lost your zest for life, and you're going through life almost kind of like in a uh, monotonous mode. You're going through life like in grayscale. You need some color. You need the orange energy of God. You need the zest for life back into you. And what happens is when you connect with the passion that God has put on the inside of you, and you work with that, what happens is that God's energy starts flowing through you. And that's exactly what that word means. For it is God who works. God who works, not on the outside of you, in you. And that word works in Greek is our English word for energy. God's energy. Now, here's what's fascinating. Every time... That word energy or energy or God working in the life of a believer is used in the new Testament. Every single time it refers to supernatural miraculous energy. Mm, mm, mm. Pastor Stephen, I'm running on red bull five hour energy monster energy and rock star drinks. Well, God bless you. Praise the Lord. You're probably quite acidic, but that's your own uh, choosing what you would prefer to drink. Truth be told, I enjoy a nice Red Bull every now and then myself. Not very often, maybe once a month. Praise God. But there's a different kind of energy that comes from God that will do what caffeine and certain herbal stimulants can ever do. And it was what was working in the early apostles. It was what was working in the apostle Paul. And it is what is working in the lives of so many believers who are on target with what God has assigned them to do. And they love it. Mm -mm. There's energy released from the Lord. Praise the Lord. And this energy is to do his good pleasure. Something that makes him happy whether you're called to raise a hospital. I like the Catholic Saint Padre Pio who raised up a world-class hospital there in Italy, San Giovanni Rotondo raised up a hospital at that time, uh, decades back when there was nothing there, but a remote uh, mountainous area. But today, one of Europe's leading hospitals Leading the way in many areas of science and medical technology is there operating because that man who was a monk. Now, remember, monks are required to take a vow of poverty, and they're never allowed to oversee any kind of money at all. Yet the Pope made an exception for Padre Pio because Padre Pio was called to raise up that hospital. And others knew it was a work of God and the energy of God flowed through that man that even the Pope said we're going to make an exception for you and provision poured in and it was all put into the establishing of that miraculous work which was for the relief of the suffering praise God still going on today. Even though that great man of God has gone on to heaven, that hospital still stands ministering to countless people, and it's grown quite a bit in size. Maybe God has called you to raise up an orphanage, to feed many, many uh, hungry children, perhaps in a war-torn country or an impoverished nation where some people could use a little help. Praise God. Mm-mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, all I can do is $30, you know, a week or something like that. You'd be shocked. <laughs> and what $30 can do in some of these countries. I've been in uh, some of these countries that are uh, not developed in certain areas where they you know, I won't go into uh, certain limitations they have, but, oh, $30, Ooh, uh, that, that can feed a lot of people. That can feed a lot of people, not just daily, even weekly. Buy a lot of rice and beans. And spices and other types of things for very small amounts of money. Food in America has become very expensive. Uh, There's a a bad agenda that's behind that. But, uh, you know, uh, if you think a steak costs $18, look, beef is not that expensive. There are forces behind the scenes that are intentionally trying to drive up Uh, prices to escalate food prices. Uh, But truth be told, uh, the reality is that food is actually very, very cheap. Uh, So it only takes a little uh, to be a great, great blessing. I prophesied over a minister recently. I said, I don't know why, but God's called you to raise up an orphanage. I had no idea that he was raised Uh, from childhood in an orphanage that meant so much to him. And he's on the trajectory to get that accomplished. Now, perhaps God's called you to start your own business, maybe even more than one. But of course, you would have to start with the first one. But God can give you the energy that is beyond your human ability to get it done. Mm -mm. Maybe God has called you to start your own ministry, Maybe uh, your own blog network, or an online internet radio station, or perhaps to start your own Christian television station, something like that. Yes, you'll need wisdom. Yes, you'll need provision. But one of the things that you can never overlook is that you're going to need the capacity to run to get that stuff done. And that's where the energy of God comes in, and we see it all throughout The New Testament. Now, one more time before we move away from Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who energizes you on the inside, both to desire and to work with energy for His good pleasure. So, this labor that you're doing in the assignment that you love and desire to do. Energy from God is flowing to you on the inside. And let me tell you a secret right now. It's why the Apostle Paul was able to get so much accomplished in such a short amount of time. And I believe that you're going to do amazing things, too. Woo! Your zest for life is coming back. You need to rise up and get back on task. Oh, Pastor Stephen, oh, there's coronavirus and everything's shutting down, and I'm hearing rumors about a global economic collapse. Why why even do anything? That's a wrong wrong mindset. Look, people that are smart are remodeling. They're refreshing. They're getting ready for the next big push. Mm -mm. And you need to also. You need to get your zest and your energy for life back. And when you do, God adds his energy to it. Woo! And life is full of color. And right now we're focusing on the color of orange. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Praise God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. In reference to Christ, this is what Paul said. In reference to Christ, he said, Him we preach, warning every man. Whatever happened to preaching where you warn people? Hey, there's a heaven and there's a hell. There is a right and there is a wrong. There is an eternity of where you're going to stay. And it's it's based upon your decisions in life of rejecting or receiving Christ. Whatever happened to preaching where we warn people? Hmm. Him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, mature, in Christ Jesus. Verse 29: To this end, I also labor, striving according to His working, which works in me mightily. All right, get ready for a major energy surge. I'm about to share something with you that's the equivalent of drinking 10 of the bottles of five-hour energy. Here it is. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his miraculous energy, which energizes me mightily. And the word mightily comes from the Greek word dunamai, and it means miraculous power. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And the great men of God who filtered and sorted through what was soulish and needed to be uh, not uh, engaged in, and what was the assignment of God. They took a hold of it. The energy of God swept into them, and that's why you had men like Dr. Lester Sumrall, who was able to acquire all of these television stations, and, and make them Christian television stations, not only in America, but around the world. And we're on The World Harvest Network, which was founded by him, which in America reaches over 20 million people every week. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. How did he do that? Through God's energy working through him. Go, go, go. That's what the energy will do. It will empower you to go, go, go. Oh, yes. You can still be tired at times. You'll need your sleep. You'll need your rest. You'll need to eat. You'll need to have some breaks and stuff like that. But there is something from the Lord that just energizes you just like it did Paul and you're going, you're going, you're going, Woo! praise the Lord. And before you know it, you you notice, you know, you're expanding, you're, you're increasing and you know what you're loving what you're doing. Even like Paul, you end up in a prison cell. Well, you know, this is ideally where I, I wouldn't want to be, but Time to write another book. Mm-mm. Time to write another letter inspired by the Spirit of God. And, of course, those writings have blessed us now for 2,000 years. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm-mm. God's going to do beautiful things through your life, but you need His energy. You need His energy to go upstream in a world that wants to go downstream. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands right now. Father, if there have been any abandoned assignments, anything where your people have taken their hands off the plow, uh, they did more than just look back. They just took their hands off the plow completely. Father, we ask for grace and restoration and grace that would make up for any lost time. And they get their hands back on the plow now and finish the project. Finish the project. Bring it to completion. That they would work out their salvation with fear and trembling, Mm -mm -mm, knowing that their calling is a high calling, that their assignment is important, and nobody else can do it the way they can do it. So they must not abandon it. They must get it done. Thank you, Father. Let there be a sense of urgency. And let there be energy released into their lives as they contact that plan, as they embrace it, and lean into it with all of their energy and strength. I thank you. I thank you, Father God, for your unstoppable anointing upon their lives that even before this year is completed, they are going to finish major assignments, and it will bring you much glory. Thank you, Father God. It will, it will fulfill your good pleasure. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Shout, I'm going to get it done now. Mm -mm. new energy, new strength on the inside, enabling you to do what Paul said, that he worked, that it worked in him mightily, 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 supernaturally. Mm. Glory, 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 glory. The ideas of how to do it are flowing. The wisdom of how to set it up is flowing, and the energy to stay with it is being released right now. Your miracle is closer than you think. Don't give up. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. You must have your zest for life, that zest for living. Thank you, Jesus. It's what excites you. It's the dream that vitalizes you. Praise God. That ignites your spirit. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, if you have watched today's program, and you're enjoying the message, but— but you don't know the God who is able to release this powerful energy, and you don't have your assignment because you don't know the Lord, it comes from the Lord. Then, right now, you have the opportunity to get your life right with the Lord. Praise God. If you would like to turn from sin and darkness and turn to the Almighty God and receive His forgiveness and love and eternal life, then pray. This prayer, pray it out loud right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I come before you seeking your salvation. Jesus, I give my heart to you. Save me right now. Write my name in your book of life and forgive me of all of my sins and grant unto me your eternal life. Lord Jesus, in your name I pray. I receive your salvation now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And amen. And God has heard that prayer. He has answered your prayer. And you are now born again. You are now a child of God. If you're watching this and you're a Christian who has fallen away from the Lord and you're engulfed in sin and filth. But you're convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you want to come back to the Lord. Pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I've drifted, and I'm in a mess. Jesus, rescue me and save me. I'm one of your lost sheep. Save me, Jesus. Praise the Lord. He is forgiving you right now. He is washing all of your sins away. He is breaking any addictions or habits right now Turn your heart back to him and come back to him right now. He receives you and accepts you with open arms. Say, Jesus, I'm back. Nevermore to Rome. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me back into the sheepfold. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are my good shepherd. Amen and amen. Now go and serve him all the days of your life. Praise the Lord. And let's take Holy Communion right now. Now that your life is right with God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Grab some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. Grab some grape juice. And let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread. And we thank you for the juice. We bless it in Jesus' name. We thank you that this is set apart now as holy this is the body, and this is the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Father, as we receive the body of Christ, we thank you for his energy on the inside of us, empowering us to do woo, with a superhuman strength what we are called to do. We thank you, Father God, that we need sleep, but you're going to energize us to a point where we don't need as much sleep. We thank you, Father God, for the passion burning strong in us. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, O God, that you put this in us. We give you all of the praise. Lord, may everything that we do be done in a mindset of humility. And may it all glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, washing all of our sins away. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Woo! Father, we thank you that any memory of past sins is nothing but burned out ashes, has no power over us at all. It's just a memory that's an empty shell, has no power, no ability to harm us or hurt us. We thank you that all of our sins are forgiven and and cleansed and washed away through the blood of Jesus. And Father, we receive his precious blood right now. We thank you for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise God. My friends, it's a new day. It's a new anointing. who praise the Lord. Mm-mm. I see you doing mighty exploits, and they are the exploits assigned to you by the Lord. Hallelujah! You know, the thing about grace is that we have all received grace, but certain types of grace fall upon certain people. And I see others in the body of Christ that have beautiful touches of grace to do certain things that I can't do. And I look at that, and I say, That's beautiful and that's wonderful. But my friends, you have certain levels of grace, and I look at how God has blessed you, and I say, it's beautiful, it's wonderful what you can do. So the thing is, is that we must all recognize the different parts that comprise the body of Christ, appreciate and love each other, and at the same time, do the unique thing that we are all called to do. Because let me tell you this, nobody else can do what you're supposed to do, the way that you do it. You've got to get the job done. You are God's man. You are God's woman. You are the person that God has called. He didn't make a mistake. Now rise up with this energy and go out and get it done. Praise the Lord. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.